You are listening to Reach MD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. And the truth is, medicine is a service industry, not a business. But how many of us doctors consider our patients' expectations with regard to service excellence? And what happens when we strive to exceed those expectations? Our guest today, Dr. Victor Marks, is going to help us understand how a focus on service can help create more successful and happier practices. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Victor Marks, Mohs surgeon at the Geisinger Medical Center in Danville, Pennsylvania. But Victor has another hat he wears, and that is as an advocate of service excellence in medicine. Welcome, Victor. Thanks, Mike. We are talking about authenticity as the basis of service excellence. You really have to be, or, or at least fake authenticity. When you <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes walk in and a patient will say, like, you look really crummy and say, yeah, you know what? I had the stomach flu yesterday, but I'm here for you. Yeah. So you, you walk in the room. Your nurse has brought the patient back. Uh, we're talking about principles of service excellence here. Well, you know what? I want to talk, Mike, about uh, starting person to person, you know, starting right. with that personal touch to convey an experience of exceptional service, to actually build loyalty, is to end your encounter person to person. What I mean by that is not just finishing the encounter and walking out or having your nurse discharge the patient. But actually saying to the patient, you know, for example, Mrs. Smith, is there anything else we can do for you today? You know, if you have any questions, please call me or call the office. It's been great caring for you. That is a proper exit, exiting person to person as opposed to walking out uh, after you're finished with the visit. I add one more thing to that. I then thank the patient for coming to see oh, me. Oh, it's a great idea. And, and I thank them to let them know. When they say, no, no, thank you, and I go, no, no, I want to thank you. I want you to know it's a privilege to serve you. Yeah, Absolutely. And your nurse should do the same. And the people at the reception desk, you know, should say, Mrs. Smith, thanks for coming in today. We'll see you, when, we'll see you with your next appointment. Now, when you walk in a room, do you introduce yourself as Dr. Marks? Because I've started to introduce myself as, hi, I'm Michael Greenberg, and it's much more personal. You know, Mike, I, Michael, I make that point uh, whenever I speak about this. I actually introduce myself as Vic Marks. And the reason that I do, I used to be Dr. Marks. The reason that I do use my, my name Victor Marks or Vic Marks is because they already know I'm a doctor. Uh, they've made the appointment with me. It's on my lab coat. What I really want to do is begin to establish a deeper relationship even than the doctor-patient relationship. I want to begin to establish a relationship of friendship. Exactly. I, when they say to me, oh, doctor, I go, wait a minute, doctor's what I do. Michael's who I am. Yeah, and, and I don't mind if they call me doctor. I, right. Sometimes I'll say this a similar thing, or sometimes I'll just let that go because it's a term of respect that they're offering. But I want them to know that I'm trying to treat them as I would a friend. Do you ask them, why are you here? Because I've now been trained to, to ask people, what's your story? You know, tell me your story. And, and a more open-ended question. And, and people like that because they want to tell their story. You know, I like that. And I actually sometimes will do both. I'll say, you know, what can I do for you today? Tell me what's been going on. Exactly. Then letting them speak. You know, there was a study done looking at how long a physician will allow a patient to speak before he or she interrupts the patient? 20 seconds. It was 18 seconds. Yeah. You know, and what happens is if you do that, the patients will come back to the story. They have to get either you won't, you'll get either incomplete information or they'll come back to the story when it's less convenient for you. You know, when they're ready, when you're ready to leave, go to the next patient. They say, oh, by the way, doctor, because they didn't get their story out. So I let them talk. Let them get the story out, and then I'll say, is there anything else you're concerned about? Because at that point, I have the whole story, and then I can begin to orchestrate the visit. Precisely. 
one of your principles is we have good people working with us. I love with us because no one works for me. Exactly. They work with me. And they are coworkers. Precisely. Talk about coworkers. Yeah. You know, when we talk, when I talk about service to other healthcare professionals, I often get the retort, you know, we could provide good service if it weren't for, and, you know, you fill in the blank. You know, if it weren't for Mary at the front desk, if it weren't my partner, you know, Joe, who's a schmuck or whatever. The, the issue here, though, is that there are good people who are working for us. Most people who do not provide great service or don't have those skills to provide great service are just that they don't have the skills. They haven't learned it. So some people are very good at introductions. You know, they go up, they look people in the eye, they smile, they reach their hand out, they touch the patient, they use the appropriate words. Other coworkers haven't learned those skills. But they're good people. They just haven't learned the skills. People can and will do extraordinary things when they know their work is worthwhile, when they know that they are valued, and when they know that you'll invest in them. So the sixth principle is that service excellence is a skill. And like all skills, it can be taught and developed and learned. It is not a genetic trait. It is not inherent. It is not inborn. It's a skill. And I think of service excellence, and particularly in the realm of communication skills, just like a, um, a, a surgical procedure. It's a series of techniques that can be learned. So the, and the example that I often use is when I learned how to shake hands properly. I went to visit my grandfather. My father sent me over to the to my grandparents to see them when they came back from vacation. I was about 10 years old, and I went in their house, and I shook hands with my grandfather, sort of a limp handshake, you know, looking down at the floor. And he looked at me and said, Victor, let me show you how a man shakes hands. And then he went through it. He said, you look the other person in the eye, you reach your hand out, you give them a firm handshake, and you say, hi, I'm glad to meet you, or I'm glad to see you. Those were a series of skills that he taught me that convey a better experience, if you will. Okay, and hold on to that handshake for a second because you are listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Victor Marks from Danville, Pennsylvania, and we're talking about service excellence. So now we can unlock hands for a second and uh, talk more about, um, do we need to say more about training people? I think so. I think what you need to do is, first of all, invest in your coworkers, understand that they may or may not have the skills, but that they can learn them, and then go over that concept with them using examples that they can understand. And so, for example, I'll often use the example of going to a department store and checking out with uh, some clothing, for example. All of us have had the experience of going up to a desk to check out, and the clerk doesn't make eye contact. The clerk is working on the computer or on the phone and ignores us. And, and we all have that same feeling like, hello, I'm here. And all that clerk would have to do would be to acknowledge that we're there, right? So I try to go over examples like that with my coworkers and say, that's the same kind of uh, feeling that a patient would get if they walked up to the front desk and you didn't look up from what it is you were doing and acknowledge that they were there. Right. And even if someone's on the phone, they can look up for a minute and say, hold on for one second. Exactly. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. And, you know, and, and another concept that's easy for people to understand about this skill building is going to different types of hotels. You know, you can go to, and I'm not going to use names, but you can go to a very, very a wonderful hotel where the people are 
tremendous in the service that they provide. And you go to another hotel where it's not anywhere like that. What's the difference? The difference is not that people are better at, you know, that the uh, the coworkers are better at one hotel than another. It's that they're trained at the one hotel better than they are at the other hotel. They're trained to smile when you come up to the desk, to use your name, to remember your name, to look you in the eye. You know, those are all skills that can be taught. Those are called behavioral standards. You know, what's the best way to greet a patient? What's the best way to answer the phone? Those are all standards that can be set by the office that if they're set right and if they're used by all personnel will lead to the perception of excellence. Right, and I think a point here that we need to say is in your own office, you have to start off with an intention to provide service excellence. This just doesn't happen automatically. You've got to intend it. You've got to create the space for it. You've got to bring the training into your staff and yourself. And once you bring the training in and once people start doing it, what happens is it becomes the culture. It's sort of like that's the way we do things around here. And really that's the definition of culture is the way we do things around here. And as these service standards become commonplace or repetitive, it becomes the way we do things around here, and it catches hold. Okay, let's move on. Uh, service that improvement occurs best at the work unit level by teams of individuals, you say here. That's complicated. Tell us what you mean by this sure. in your principle. It's not static. Yeah, first of all, it's not static, but this is not a top-down approach. This is not Dr. Marx or Dr. Greenberg telling people, this is the way we're going to do things. What this is all about is creating an environment where everybody participates. So... You say to your coworkers, you know, how do you think, you know, you, you create the idea that this is what we want to have happen here. This is the kind of service we want to provide. So how do we do it? And the coworkers will come up with it. People who work at the nurse level, people who work at the receptionist level, people who work at the secretarial level, they understand those jobs better than you do. So allow them to tell you the best ways that things can be done to lead to the perception of excellence on the part of your patients and family members. Okay. It's a team approach, in other words. It's you leading the team. It's not you forcing the team to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Now, we've also had other shows about dealing with difficult patients and firing patients. So service excellence doesn't mean, you know, we're starting to sound a little like this is all going to be, you know, glory, glory land. Uh, it doesn't mean you still don't <laughs> it get... It work that way. It still doesn't mean you don't get rid of the difficult patients as part of service excellence, right? Yeah, it sure doesn't. It sure doesn't. And it doesn't mean that the day is going to go, you know, it's not going to be hunky-dory and go smoothly. You know, we're dealing with difficult problems, difficult diseases, and difficult people. And put that all together, and sometimes and often the days are difficult. It's about making it better. Okay. I want to skip to a principle, and then maybe we'll go back to sure. the others. Physicians have to lead this. Absolutely. Talk about that. You know, if you don't commit to this, we are the leaders in healthcare. We are recognized not only by patients, but by our coworkers, by our medical assistants, our nurses, our receptionists, our secretaries, our assistants, as the leaders. If we don't lead it. If we don't exemplify it, they're not going to follow. They look to us for direction. You know, we can't abdicate the responsibility for service improvement to others. We can't send our nurses, secretaries, and receptionists to charm school, in other words, and expect that our offices will provide exceptional service. You know, just as we lead the unit in the delivery of care through our technical expertise and through our diagnostic acumen, you know, so too we must lead the healthcare team in the area of service improvement. We have to be the leaders in this. We can't say to Nurse Joan, you know, Joan, I want you to 
develop a module on service excellence and talk to the other nurses, receptionists, and secretaries about that, see if we can get better service around here. It won't work that way. You have to be at the forefront. Yeah, it always comes down to authenticity, doesn't it? You can't have your staff doing this if you're not authentically real and really caring. Oh, no question. Yeah, and and conversely, if you are, if you really do care and you exemplify that and you show it, so will they. They will, they'll stand out if they don't. So you have to get to charm school with them. You betcha. Some of us need more charm school than others. All right. Thank you. Um, I want to thank the charming Dr. Victor Marks, who's been with us today, sharing insights into the concept of service excellence, something we don't often consider, but once again, in my opinion, is the keystone and the heart of our profession. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you, the doctors who care for your patients. Tell us what you want and what you need. Send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and we thank you for listening.